Hi, you're listening to The Home Hour. This is the show where we talk about family, food, parenting, managing a home, and everything that goes on inside your four walls. I'm your host, Megan Francis, mama five and creator of The Happiest Home Blog. I'm glad you're here. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of The Home Hour. I'm here with Kieran Pittman today. Hey, Kieran. Hi. So we have a great topic today. We're going to be talking about grandparents and extended family and kind of how that um, works in our families and what how we grew up relating to our extended family and grandparents. And I think this is a topic that a lot of people can relate to because we all have a different background when it comes to this kind of stuff and different expectations now as well. Very much. Yeah. So first, we were going to just kind of talk about what we're doing today. So we're recording this on the Friday before Memorial Day weekend. So it'll go up next week. And by the time everyone's listening to this, Memorial Day weekend will be a thing of the past. But I was just telling Kieran that I got sidetracked. I'm actually 10 minutes late recording this because I got sidetracked in the garden. And um, I get very overwhelmed by gardening. And I'll tell you why for me. And then, you know, Kieran can tell, like, her her uh, solution is container gardening, which I totally agree. It's awesome. Uh-huh. But I moved into this house that has these huge flower beds about three years ago. And they always had flowers in them. And then last year, I just hated everything. And we had these guys landscaping, um, doing some other stuff in the yard and landscaping. And I asked them to rip everything out. Ooh, ruthless. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I was... You I was thought, that oh, first I, year you move in? Yeah, I thought I just... Well, I lived with it for a couple of years. Okay. And then I thought, oh, I can do better. I mean, I don't like what's there. I'll, I'll just have them rip it all out this year, and then next year I'll start fresh. Well, of course, the weather's been really crappy. I traveled a whole bunch in April, so I didn't – by the time I got to it, it was completely overrun with weeds, A, and grass. Yeah. And it's huge. <laughs> it's huge. I don't even know what to put it – like, I went to the store today, and I bought the like, garden store, and I bought all these plants and flowers, and I brought them home and thought that would take up everything. I mean, now that I'm looking at it, it's going to take up, like, one quadrant – yeah. Yeah. Now you remember that you have kids and uh-huh. a career and a business and you don't have a uh, staff to do the gardening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So, so <laughs> tell, <laughs> so Karen, how do you, what is your approach to gardening and how do you make this work at your house? Yeah. So I just actually sold the house that I did this <laughs> and just left. <laughs> um, cause I've been there. I've done the big ambitious, like let's plow up half the yard and then realize like, Oh, now that's quite an investment. Uh-huh. Um, so now in my, um, my new, my not so new house anymore, we've been here for gosh, six years, but, um, I have just containers. We have limited sunlight. We have a lot of, uh, shaded areas. Mm. So I have just these little, I call it hodgepodge Valley farms. I have all oh, these so containers cute. kind of in our little area of the it's full sun uh, it's like at the street level, you know, street view. Uh, so everybody sees it who's driving by. And uh, last year I discovered these boxes. I have no relationship with this company, but if they want to send me new boxes, go for it. They're called City Pickers, and they're just at Home Depot, wherever. They're about 30 bucks. I got them from two of them for Mother's Day last year. And they're just these little uh, plastic boxes on caster wheels, and they're called sub-irrigated planters. So they've got this little grate in the bottom. So the water goes down through a tube and there's a well. So the plants draw the water up rather than you pouring the water over, if that makes sense. Yeah. But basically you hook up a hose to it and it's on autopilot. You just plant your stuff and there's a specific formula you use for fertilizer and growing medium. And it's amazing what I got out of those, um, those boxes last year, like it just blew my mind. Oh. And it was so 
confidence building because, you know, actually I was like a farmer. I was growing food and things. Right. So, yeah. So, of so course, they're I'm called city boxes? City pickers. City mm-hmm. pickers. We yeah, can link to that in the show notes. So just go to thehomehour.com and we'll yeah, link to it. Hook people up with that. Anyway, it was great. So now, but now, you know, of course, I have to resist the urge to go out and buy 10 more boxes. Right. Yeah, no. Well, and I, I do well with containers. We have a patio in the back. We have barely any backyard at all, which works out great. We have a patio. It's kind of shady. And I have, you know, a little, and um, there's sort of like a cement, almost looks like a step next to the house. It's not, mm-hmm. I don't know what you would call it. Um, but it's a great place to put pots and, and, and it's so easy. What I love about that is like, you have this very well-defined space mm-hmm. and you know, you can fit, you know, maybe three or four seedlings in it or whatever. And right. that's it. You don't really have to think about it. <laughs> and you can, it's just, it's so easy. If the dirt's no good, you dump it out and start again. It's just, right. it's so, it's Listen, so easy. Limits are really good for creative people. You know, that is so true. And I'm <laughs> so all that's, endeavors. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because we're going to talk about grandparents and this is a good segue because one of my chief memories of my maternal grandmother, whose name was Fern, was her garden. And she was a large seal gardener, country girl. And I would visit her um, home once a year in southern New Brunswick. And her backyard was just all, uh, I don't even know what to call them. I'm a city girl. Uh, you know, those little hills that you plant things yeah. in. Furrows. Yes. I don't know. Lanes. <laughs> the lanes would be planted with vegetables and things. Awesome. And it's such a sensory memory for me. Because I know what... smells of the tomato plants. And, you know, so when I have my tomatoes out, you know, my little two plants of tomatoes in my uh, city picker's box... I get that whiff of that just pungent, you know, tomato plant smell, and it brings me right there. It's so a neat way to connect with her. I love that. And, yeah, let's definitely get to that topic in a second. But I want to say one other thing about that, the country gardener thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would love it if I felt like I had the freedom just to go dig around and plant stuff mm-hmm. without worrying about whether it looked good. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and then when you but when you live on, you know, I live in the main drag in my little town and yards are very manicured and I do feel a certain amount of pressure. Yeah. I told my husband I don't want to look like we're the meth heads on the street. But you know what I mean? Like the people who just kind of let everything go to rack and ruin and yeah. it doesn't even look like we tried. So I'm looking I want to look like I tried, but I'm gonna take it easy on myself and not not try to go too overboard. <laughs> right. Right. So let's move on to that topic and we can talk about Fern and um, all of our grandparents. So Kieran, why don't you start? I mean, you've got your grandma Fern. This was your grandma or your great grandma? This is my grandmother. This is your mm-hmm. grandmother. Okay. And do you so, call, did you call your grandmother grandma? Just oh, let's, yeah, let's start there. That's a great, I love that, uh, that topic. So I called my maternal, my Fern was Nana. Okay. And my paternal grandmother was Nanny. Oh, Okay. My mom is nanny to my kids. Oh, that's really fun. I like that. How about yours? So my paternal grandmother was Nana. Uh-huh. And my um, maternal grandmother is still alive. She's 92, I believe now. Oh. And she's grandma with no grandma. D, no N. It's grandma. So if you spell it out, it's R-A-M-M-A. Love yeah. it. Okay, what are the granddads? The granddads, I don't know. They were both passed away before I... Yeah, I just had one, and he was Poppy. I think they were both just Grandpa, Mm -hmm. so far Mm -hmm. as I know. But there's not a lot of family lore about the grandfathers in our family, which I think is interesting. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Much more so about the grandmothers. Yeah, well, my grandmothers certainly are, are, you know, front and center of my consciousness and were huge influences. And part of that was, you know, mortality. I mean, I, my um, mother's dad had died before I was born, so I never knew him. Mm-hmm. 
and they weren't especially close. So I never had a great sense of him just, you know, what his place was in my legacy. My, on the other hand, my dad's dad lived in the same town that I grew up in. And, um, I had him till I was eight years old, which doesn't sound like a long time, but he was huge in my life. So I had a great sense of being close to him. Mm. Um, so I grew up sort of both, uh, I had very traditional, you know, a set of grandparents that lived nearby and when I was young, young and who were involved in, um, my life and my family's life. And then on the other hand, I had also a grandparent, my grandmother on my, um, mom's side who lived in another province in Canada. So that was a long distance relationship, but like my kids have now with my mom. So I've had a little bit of both. You know, I was, when you were talking, I was just thinking as well, like how different the experiences I had with my grandparents and usually really on my, only my grandmother's. Um, my dad's side, we were the very youngest. And so this extends to the cousins and everybody as well. Um, we were the very youngest family. My dad was the youngest sibling to have children. Oh, so I was the youngest of the youngest. Right. So many of my cousins were 25, 30 years older than me. So, I mean, that's kind of a stretch. Maybe one of them was that much older, but there was, there was a considerable range. He grew up in a big Catholic family. So, you know, his oldest sister was maybe 10 years older than him. Right. Actually. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. When you're, when you're a kid, 25 to 30 years, because, you know, the oldest had the oldest and then I was the youngest of the youngest. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't close to those cousins. There, there are cousins on that side I've never met. Yeah. Um, but on my mom's side, we were the oldest or we, my mom was the oldest. Uh -huh. So even though I'm the youngest in my family, I was still with the first set of cousins. And so right. we just got to know those cousins more. We were, they were around more. They weren't, the age difference wasn't so drastic for me at least. Um, and I think that kind of translated. Best. Yeah. And, and it's funny because my sister had a completely different experience of growing up with grandmothers than I did. Um, she spent a lot of time with the grandmas and I spent very little time <laughs> with the grandmas. And you're so the eldest or she... I'm the youngest. Oh, you're the youngest. Right. So yes. Okay. That explains it. Yeah. What's, what's your birth position and how did that work out for you? Yeah. Similar. I'm the oldest. So I was very close to, well, I don't know. My, I was particularly close to my paternal grandmother, but she was not, uh, you know, talking about, I don't know if you want to get into styles of grandparenting and grandmothering, but my grandmother, uh, my nanny was not, um, real super warm with children. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't that warm, soft, cuddly grandma, like my Making other grandma. And, yeah. <laughs> right. That wasn't her. I mean, and so we were close as I got older. I really came to appreciate her. And um, she was a fabulous woman, but just a little more formal, you know, just not quite as um, you know, warm and fuzzy as the other one. So, so I was very close to her, and we were very much alike in lots of ways. I think there was a natural affinity there. My sister was very close to my other Nana, okay. and their personalities were also more similar, you know, more soft and cuddly. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think... Well, and my, my dad's mother, um, the one we called Nana was the matriarch. And, and I, when I think of her as a matriarch, like I think of that in a very literal sense to me, she was like royalty, right. um, big, big Catholic family. She was a city. Mm -hmm. She always lived in the city, um, lived in Chicago all the whole time I knew her and was just very elegant and sort of regal. I remember she traveled yeah, a lot. Um, yeah. and so, but by the time I really knew her, she was kind of on the decline yeah. At the time, I was old enough to really know her. Then my other grandma on the maternal side, um, grandma, was always around when my sister was little. And they spent a lot of time together. She lived with us for a long time. 
course, oh, I really? remember that. I was really little, but uh-huh. she did live with our family when I was about four, four, four or five, something like that. And then ended up remarrying and moved to Florida with her new husband and then traveled around like in an RV forever. So we didn't really see her for like a 10 year block of time, which was like sort of my formative time. Um, And as a result, you know, it took me a long time to really get comfortable with old people, I have to say. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. this, you know, my grandma's fault for moving to Florida, Mm -hmm. but more like I just wasn't really around a lot of elders. Right. And I didn't know how to interact with them. I think that's probably, well, I I hate to think it is, but I think maybe that's true for a lot of people now. We're more isolated, Yeah. you know, which is ironic because I think people are living longer, but I don't see as much, you know, grandparents don't live with, um, you know, their, their children anymore Mm -hmm. so much. I mean, I know there's exceptions. I don't want to generalize, but, but then I didn't have the experience of living with a grandparent. I mean, there was definitely a distinction um, but we, although I came from, you know, two big families, um, loads and loads of cousins and aunts and uncles and all of that, my kids don't have any of that. It's, it's kind of poignant for me because you're talking about your cousins and I was like, oh yeah, your cousins are the greatest. In fact, I was just exchanging a message with my mom about our family reunion upcoming and which cousins were going to be there. And, uh, my boys have two cousins through my sister and one cousin through their dad. Mm. Which to me just seems like paltry. Not enough cousins. And they hardly and they never see them. Like they yeah. see, you know, every so many years. So they don't have that sense of uh, just this big other level of family. Mm-hmm. When we vacation back in Newfoundland, where I'm from, they just think it's hilarious because I would just you know, we're, literally wherever we go, I'm pulling out a cousin. Like someone will meet <laughs> us in a parking lot. You know, we just bump into someone in a coffee shop. Like, yeah. oh, this is your cousin. You know. They think, you know, you got to be, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's, it's funny that I had a lot of cousins growing up, but we never didn't really live near any of them. Um, within a couple of hours drive of one family of cousins. So the two girls and then, but I do remember, I feel like I saw them a lot. I I feel like those were the days when people didn't, weren't as busy. And mm-hmm. so you would just, even though we lived seven or eight hours away from one set of cousins, it was not unusual to see them several times in a summer. I mean, you would just jump in the car and drive <laughs> right, all night or whatever it took. And then the parents would send all the kids to the rumpus room and then the parents would hang out and play cards or whatever. I don't know what they were doing. Um, <laughs> and, and it was just, I feel like even though we weren't physically near them, we got a lot of cousin time in. And now my kids, um, we live in the same town as one whole family of cousins. We live two hours away from my sister and her family. And we live pretty far from my brother and his family, my other brother and his family, and they have four. So between us, we have an average of four kids each. So that's 16 kids. Wow. Um, and this this weekend, we'll have three of the four. My, my brother lives in Minneapolis, usually just comes up on New Year's or around New Year's. Um, but we'll have 12. We'll, we could possibly have 12 cousins under one roof <laughs> at one point. It's going to be bedlam. The yeah. teenagers now aren't always around, you know, the, my sister's older daughters are like, they're not even teen, they're bona fide adults, I mean, 18 uh-huh. and 21 now. So they don't always come. Right. But when they do, it's crazy to me. It's like, how do we squeeze all these people into well, you one know, place? The sense of connection, I think it, it looms large. And when I realized I was going to have children so far away from my mom, and my dad, he was alive when my first two were born. But when, you know, when it dawned on me that I, this was going to be the life that my, I was going to raise kids so very far away from uh, my, my parents, I kind of 
I thought, well, that's terrible. You know, they're not going to know them. Will they be connected to them? Um, but in fact, my grandmother Fern, who lived in another province who I only saw once a year growing up, I had an enormous sense of connection with her. In fact, through early childhood, she was, I would have said that she was the grandparent I was closest to. So it's kind of neat. Cause I think it's, there's part of that, um, just refraction principle of childhood memory, you know, mm. that, um, you know, maybe those times that seem infrequent from an adult perspective, when uh, time is so much more closer to the ground, so to speak, yeah. with the child, it has a different uh, a different quality to it. I and also, technology right. is big. Like technology, yeah. I of all the times in history to raise children away from their grandparents, my you know, thank God for Skype, um, because my kids have grown up skyping my mom, mm. mm-hmm. which is yeah. Yeah. in the early days it was a little bit like trying to talk to somebody on the space station. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But it's a lot better. Yeah. Quite common for them to. She texts them on their phones. Now mm-hmm. they have phone phones and stuff. So there's a lot of constant contact, and a lot of, due to her being willing to, you know, keep up with the te- technology and be available that way. With our with my mother-in-law, it's um, FaceTime. So oh she yeah. FaceTimes with Clara a lot, yeah, and and the other kids too. But Clara is the one who's always like, I want to FaceTime Grandma, and so they'll walk she'll Clara will just take my phone and walk away with it and I'll kind of forget she has it uh-huh. and then half an hour later I can hear my mother-in-law Shirley going Clara are you there <laughs> right <laughs> because she's put the phone down and wandered away and so yeah it's yeah. it's nice so now you you of your not your nana and your nanny is that right mm-hmm. yeah. are they still alive no I lost all my grandparents eventually um the last one in well I lost both grandmothers in 2001 okay. yeah so and my grandfather that I knew lost him in 78 so he wow. was the first person dear to me you know yeah. to die which I think is often the case my kids lost uh all their all but my mom we um they know they haven't known it all oh, three out of four of the grandparents they've mm-hmm. never known except they met you know a few of them when they were babies yeah so that's been an interesting you know that's a sense there's a there's a sense of loss there even for them without really knowing what they're missing yeah you know and they'll and they'll be quite poignant about it sometimes you know they'll something will come up about my father whom none of them knew Mm -hmm. and uh and you could you know they they mourn that and miss him without having known him yeah this we have such a similar my kids only have one grandparent left as well it's my Mm mother-in-law um and they're close and we and we see her a lot. Um, she's That's here. Fair. She lives about 30 minutes away during the summer months. So from like May to September mm-hmm. or October, she's close by. And then she's in Florida the rest of the time. But we've been able to get down there to see her in Florida every other year. So mm-hmm. um, that's been fantastic. But the kids do miss. So my mom died like 15 years ago. None of my kids remember her right. at all. Um, but my but John's dad died seven or eight years. Gosh, I think eight years ago. And my dad five years ago. So mm-hmm. they remember them both. And they were especially close to, to John's dad. Um, he was just kind of like the quintessential grandpa type, like laying mm-hmm. on the floor. Kids crawl. Like, I feel like every picture we have of him when kids <laughs> were little, he was laying on the floor with a kid either sleeping on him or crawling on him. <laughs> and so they really, they, you know, they kind of remember him that way kids do. Like yeah. kind of almost as a, an idea. Yeah. More than a real person at this point, just because yeah. it's been so long. And Claire wasn't born yet, but everybody else has some memory of him. Um, and it's sad, you know, it's, it is sad that they're, they're missing out on that. I, and, and I also feel like now I'm getting to the age where my elder relatives are just 
dropping off like flies. Yeah. And it's freaking me out. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Aunts and uncles who I never really thought of as that old. Right. Are suddenly yeah, very I old. Those, I call those my giants. When I lose my giants, mm-hmm. they're passing. I'm still a quite, thank God for Facebook too. You know, all this technology helps me keep up. And, you know, the seniors love the Facebook. So the Facebook, <laughs> it's yes. great. I, it's fantastic. It's a way I keep up with all my aunts and some of my uncles. And yeah. um, it kind of puts me back in that village that, you know, is no longer, um, you know, in the physical, geographical world for me. Yeah. But I have a very much a sense of, you know, poking my head out the window and just idly chatting with, you know, my favorite auntie or um, the cousins and all of yeah. that. So it's yeah. kind of stored that, that, you know, in a sense. I think it must have been harder for my mom raising kids away from her mom in the 70s mm-hmm. because, you know, you had to pay for long distance and it was, yeah. you know, there just wasn't that casual kind of way of staying in touch. You had to you know, send mail and all those things. We used to get the best Christmas packages from my New Brunswick grandma. They were just crazy. She would send these brown paper wrapped parcels that were just full of like really bizarre five and dime <laughs> <laughs> cheap stuff. Yeah. And we thought it was just like, well, it was Christmas. It was, we would just fall on that thing. She would, she would go for quantity over quality. Mm. And you're, you know, six and seven years old. It's oh, quantity is where it's at. God, look at all this stuff. Can you believe it? Right? Those, you know, hollow Barbie dolls. And oh, that. my gosh. Yes. I think yeah. I had a couple of those. A dog chewed them up and they did not last right. very long. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nor were they meant to. And uh, she would send this brick of peanut butter fudge. To this day, I can't eat peanut butter fudge because it's funny. the smell of it will just put me off because we had so much of it. <laughs> yeah. But so, uh, yeah, those memories are very, very vivid. So I hope that my kids, um, you know, impressions, the relationship they have now with their mom will, will also be throughout their lives. Yeah. You know, it's funny while we're talking and I was thinking about like, what kind of grandma do I think I'll be? And I remember very distinctly growing up, I had a, my best friend when I was six or seven years old, lived on the same property with her grandparents who had lived in the same little house forever and ever. Wow. Uh-huh. And Um, every, and I remember being really jealous of that because she could just cross her backyard and be at her grandma's house. And then Mm -hmm. we would go in and her grandma was always, it was the most stereotypical grandma. She was always wearing an apron. She was always baking something. Right. And I remember the gold standard. Yes. (laughs) And I remember thinking this is the kind of grandma. Well, I wish I had my grandma closer by. So it's not like I would have cared what my grandma was like. It's not like she never baked cookies or anything, but I remember having this idea in my head of like, that was what the quintessential grandmother should be like. Uh-huh. And now that I'm, you know, thinking, I mean, I have a 17 year old, so maybe in the next, maybe it could be as soon as five to seven ish, 10 years, something like that. I could right. ostensibly be a grandma and I just don't see that happening, <laughs> but I want really? a part of me to want to do that. Just like as a mom, part of me wants to be the warm, soft mom who's in the kitchen with an apron on and you can come in and hug me and I'll give you cookies. And I sometimes am that mom. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I can be that grandma all the time. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not thinking like about grandmotherhood yet that, right. <laughs> that it's seriously, right. but it's an idea, right? Yeah. Well, it's going to get interesting because what you just said, you know, I thought, oh God, we're going to have to go through that whole identity crisis again. Uh-huh. I just, I just came out of like figuring, making my peace with the kind of mother I am versus the kind of mother I wanted to be. Right. So, and I think there is, I think I remember my mom cause I was, you know, I, I, I delivered the first grandchild. So I remember her going through you know, a lot of introspection and just, you know, trying to figure out how she was, you know, what her own expectations were of yeah. her role 
which is, you know, of course, hard to figure out from a long distance, especially. And she's, well, my sister lives literally around the corner from her. So mm-hmm. she is the, you know, next door, the grandma next door for the, for my niece and nephew. And, you know, it's not what I would probably romanticize it as either. I mean, we're going on podcasts, so I don't want to say too much. Right. No, I get it. <laughs> but my sister would say, I think, you know, there's grass is always greener. There's I mean, tra- there's, there's always a trade off being, yes. And she very much is raising her family in the bosom of, you know, grandparents and extended family. And to me, that looks like just a dream, but you know, there is a trade off. She has a lot of inputs, you know, into what they do and how they raise their kids. And, you know, that goes along with the uh, support they have and the childcare and all those wonderful things. So here, you know, we really, you know, we make our decisions and that's it. There's no one here to tell us, you know, that's not how we did it. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely pros and cons. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's funny because my mother-in-law who only has, um, just one sibling, and he and his wife live very close to all three of their kids and all three of, well, two of their kids now have three kids each. And they're really like the hands-on, like almost like surrogate parents. Like they're, they're, they're the daycare, they're the overnight sitter, they're at every um, school event and everything like that. And I remember my, my mother-in-law, um, who's in a different position. She's a widow now and she doesn't want to necessarily live in the house that she lived in with her husband all the time. And like, you know, so it's, uh-huh. it's a very different situation, but she did kind of say to me one day, like sort of a little guiltily, you know, do you think that that's, sometimes I wonder if that's what I should be doing too. And right. I thought for one, one side of me thought, gosh, that would be nice. It would be so nice to have somebody oh, God. always there. Yeah. But I said, no, no. Right. Let's think about <laughs> I'm that. way too independent and it was nothing against her. She's fantastic. But I said, you know me and you know, John, uh, my husband, I said, you we're way too independent. It's, it's better the way we, the way we are is great because when she comes back in the summer and is all refreshed from her awesome Florida life, um, which we need to talk about retirement in a second here because that all plays into how this is going to work out. Um, <laughs> when she gets back from her awesome Florida life and is here for the summer, she's got all this energy to come over and spend days and days with the kids. Like she'll spend four or five days and John and I will go do our thing for a while. Right. And just and then she's also kind of, it took her a while too, just like moms take a while to get through their groove. It took her a while to get to her groove where she can sit on the couch with her paper and be like, don't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> to the yeah. kids. And the kids are older now. And they're, and they're older. So they yeah. just do their, so her babysitting is really easy. You know, yeah. she's just like a human, she's just the human body in the house, the adult Right. And she's, she's not old, right? Like, this is what freaks me out. I'm like, my grandparents were old. And I look at my mom, who's now like older than my grandfather when he died. And I think, but you're not old. No, I mean, she's like 65, maybe. I mean, 63. I don't even, I don't even know. She's the the sense of like grandparents being these elderly people, I think has shifted, not just like in the terms of now we're older. And of course, you know, everything is relative. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I think just in society in general, I mean, the whole image, the whole expectation of, you know, what seniors do and look like and what they're expected to be doing with their lives is very different than what it was when we were kids. Absolutely. So I went um, a few weeks ago, my two best friends from high school and I, one of whom married my brother, who is now my (laughs) sister-in-law. He likes to keep it in the family. Um, And the other one lives about a half mile from me and all of our kids go to school together. It's adorable. It didn't happen on purpose, by the way. It just kind of (laughs) happenstance this way. But um, we decided we had never been on a trip, the three of us, like out of state. So we went to Florida and we stayed with my mother-in-law in her community, like her retirement community, which is a great place to day drink. 
because yep. everybody starts at like 11, but everyone's done by 8 and in bed by 8.30. I mean, it's like right. Right. <laughs> the whole town show. So a few times, you know, we're used to like a little bit of a later schedule and we would go out at, you know, 7 and the town's shutting down because right. everyone's <laughs> like last call, everyone's leaving. So, um, but what the thing, the sense that we came away with is that these people looked like they were having the time of their lives. And I mean all the time because this is their life. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing exactly what they want to do, whether or not, you know, whatever their relationship to their grandkids is, yeah. um, it's hard to say. But it's like everyone just seemed so relaxed and happy and like just doing what they wanted. And that's that I want that. But I also want to be available to my grandkids whenever they come along. And I'm not sure. Part of me selfishly thinks, man, I already did all the hard work. Yeah. I already put in the time. But I don't want to be that person because family is really important to me. So it's like a hard, mm-hmm. it's just a hard line. And I think my mother-in-law has actually found a pretty good balance. I think her, the way she approaches it by kind of having her months on and her months off. Yeah, that sounds like working. the ideal mix to me. I mean, I don't. I ask myself the same question. I've been so intensely into mothering you know, for this long now, it's such a big part of my identity that, and, and it's just only recently occurred to me as, as with yourself, as you just mentioned, like, oh, like within, you know, what's 10 years from now, my oldest will be 26, younger than I would want, but I was, you know, it's plausible. He could be, you know, settled and happily and all of that. That's 10 years, 10 years ago was the blink of an eye. I mean, 10 years ago, he was six. That's nothing. That was just yesterday. So yeah, it's on my, you know, it's kind of starting to come up to the horizon line a little bit where I'm just like, Oh, I mean, am I going to be launched right into that phase? Will I be done with this phase of life? Is there something else I want to do in between? And having sons, of course, the dynamic is, you know, I'm like, well, how involved will I be allowed to be? You right. know? And, yeah. Uh, I think about that too. I think about what kind of like parents they'll be, you know, not too much. She was to say, this is all kind of like, no, not soon, not soon. But, um, I saw a young man with his, I guess I'm getting older because now I can say I saw this young man. And you I have saw, no idea how actually old he was, right? right. He right. could be anywhere from like 21 to 33. <laughs> right. I mean, had he not been with his two kids, you know, it might've been a different kind of observing, but right. <laughs> he was with these two little kids. And I was just eating my lunch and watching, watching how nurturing he was to them. And he did seem very young. And it just, I could see, like, my son is not that much younger. And I could see he babysits, like, he's a very nurturing young man. I can see already, you know, he's going to be a fantastic hands-on dad. And, yeah, it's kind of interesting to think, well, where will I fit in that? You know, assuming we are even geographically available, you know, what, yeah, what will my role be? What kind of you know, partner will he have? What will, you know, there's the, that's the big variable. What do they want? How, you know, well, right. That's a huge variable. Like. So yeah. And aren't you my, glad you have several kids so that you don't have to, f- whew, I'm like, hopefully one. <laughs> well, well, and that's, I really kind of feel like that takes the pressure off. Right. Because, you know, if you get all that, they say the granny lust thing, if you like all have a baby so I can come smother it. And it's, it's funny to me to think about that now because I'm, I feel like in a way super past that stage of, looking at a baby and you know the the feeling I'm talking about when you see a baby well maybe you never did you did we talk about this or was this in your book maybe that you never really were that kind of person person now but um, but you are that kind of person now I'm getting it's funny I have yeah I have inklings I think my baby spoiled me yeah well I've always been that person who would look at a baby and be like oh give me that baby and I'm still that person but now it's in a very different way than it was during my peak childbearing years if that's you know um Right. Because during then it was like a longing, like 
even when I would have a baby of my own, I would hold someone else's baby that was a month younger and think, oh, I need to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I need yeah. another one of these. And I'm just not really there anymore. And it's funny to think that I could at some point become all gooey over babies, but in a completely different, like grandmotherly kind of a way. Yeah. And I think maybe there's an element of choice. I mean, we're talking about something we don't even, you know, barely see the shape of, but right. I remember my mom saying when she first held, you know, my firstborn, she, I remember her describing how different that was. Like it was very intense and like love at first sight and all of that, you know, feeling very biologically connected to this child. But at the same time, it did, you know, it was from a different place, you know, yes. I guess, you know, it's that cliche thing that grandparenting is all of the joy and, you know, fewer of the. <laughs> well, none of the hormones <laughs> for one. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida plan a lot. I'm keeping in that <laughs> yeah. timeshare. My mom spends time down there too. So I've yeah. got, I know a little bit about it and it seems like a lot of fun. But, yeah. Uh, well, before we, before we wrap up, I think it would be nice for us to kind of talk a little tiny little bit because I know we're both um, maybe more removed from certain family members than we'd like to be at times. And mm-hmm. so you said you're not really, well, you know, don't, your kids don't have a lot of cousins right. um, and you're not close to, you're not physically or by or geographically close to your mom, correct? Correct. So besides technology, is there a way that you've sort of recreated? And even if it means, I mean, what does it mean to have an extended family? And if you recreated with other people who aren't your biological family, oh, that's a big a topic. Question. But Yeah, it's, uh, yes, I have created a village here that has been my lifeline. I mean, I have, a, um, I, I, Less so now because I think we need each other less. So now when we get together, it's more, you know, grown up, you know, checking in kind of time. But um, I was so fortunate when I had my babies to fall into this village of women who were moms and they became that extended family for me and my family. Um, And I just don't even know how I could have. And it's as meaningful for them now as as it is for me. You know, we have a very strong sense of how fortunate we were and how very interdependent we've been. And our kids have that sense of um, almost a cousinhood, Mm -hmm. you know, with each other, even though they're not all, you know, BFFs these days. Well, actually, my son is actually dating one of the girls. (laughs) to tell them that that would be complicated. (laughs) They've been together a year. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I had to recreate that. I don't think I knew what that's what I was doing. Um, but now in retrospect, I think that was very much what was happening. That's nice. And, you know, I think that's, that can be kind of rare because there's something about family where you don't always like them. And mm-hmm. I don't mean like you don't, sometimes you literally just don't like them, but, yeah. <laughs> but you can't, it's, it is, there's something about that, but they're in my family. So I have to stick it out thing. Right. You know? And when it's not family, it's easy sometimes to just think, well, this person is just not for me. Right. I've, I've grown, we've grown, grown apart or I've moved on or like now I'm going to be looking for different kinds of friends. And so it is nice to have that village that's truly a village. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, you're not, people aren't always going to be your cup of tea. And like, you know, my kids don't always like their cousins that much. It's like, but you're going to play with them anyway. Cause yeah. <laughs> too bad. <laughs> These are your people, right? What are you going right. to do? What are That's you going to do? And I'm, I'm going to be hanging out with the mom tonight. So guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be running around the backyard with these other kids and you can figure it out. And, don't and I think sometimes like <laughs> our kids can have choices about who they interact with, but sometimes yeah. they have to just learn to get along too, whether that's family or someone who's like family. Well, that's community, right? I right. Mean, 
in some ways we do have too many choices in our society and, you know, yeah, you've got to get away from abusive people, but I think sometimes we don't hold ourselves to the fire quite enough for dealing with difficult people. Yeah. Agreed. So what I would love for you to share, if you have one particular memory or feeling about a grandparent mm-hmm. that you can share to wrap up the show, because I have one, there's a picture related to it that I showed you. So do you tell yours first and then I'll. So, oh gosh. I know that's a big question. So if you want, yeah. I can go first. Well, or even if it's not a memory, maybe there's a sense of something awesome about yeah. one of your grandparents that you think you could emulate. That's really what mine is more about. Um, yeah. kind um of like how, who, what is this? Who is this person? They're people, right? They're not just like a caricature gram, like gray haired granny with glasses. Right. <laughs> it's like they're people. Yeah. Oh, definitely. They were so amazing. Well, I think the thing that comes to mind was an early memory of my grandfather, um, to whom I was very close, though I wasn't old enough to know him really well. And he was just such a lovely man. He was probably an exasperating man to live with, but he had lots of charisma and charm and he was incredibly handsome. And, um, he used to let, he used to love to be silly. And I remember my grandmother, whom I later became very, very close to and, and be, came to you know regard very, very warmly. But at the time when I was little, I didn't realize that she was still, you know, she had raised eight children and it wasn't that far out of those years. You know, her, my youngest uncle would have still been at home and my grandfather would have me over for tea and we would just get really silly and he would let me drink sweetened tea out of a saucer and my grandmother, who was quite proper, would just purse her lips and tut, tut, tut. And I just, I just thought that just made it so much more delicious that my grandfather was like this co-conspirator. <laughs> just kind of, you know, stick it to the man, you know, want <laughs> to drink yeah. your tea out of saucers. So, yeah, he, had a, he was one of those you know, grandparents in the category of just, you know, get down and have fun. He was lovely and silly and very, very warm. So. I love that. So my grandma, who is my only remaining grandparent, um, is 92, I think. Yes, 92, but she'll, she'll be 93 this summer. And she has always been, first of all, her memory is as sharp as a tack. So she'll tell stories from when she was younger and she had a very kind of tough upbringing. Like she, um, got tuberculosis when my mom was a real little baby and had to go into a sanitary Wow. Yeah. I was, I almost said sanatorium and I think that's a very different thing. Um, but, and then my, my mother had to go live with friends of the family for like a year while my grandmother was getting better. And so it's just a very, she's kind of like a very messy, very poor upbringing. And so Mm -hmm. she's tough. And that's all I really remember about my grandma. When I think any memory I have of her is her just being, you know, she says what's on her mind. Sometimes it makes everyone in the room cringe. Uh-huh. She's hilarious. Um, and I remember when she was about 85, maybe going to my aunt's, she lives with my aunt. Um, we went there and she sat on a bucket for like five hours. We were all sitting outside having, having barbecue. And at one point I looked over and I was like, grandma, you're sitting on a bucket. <laughs> Would you like this chair, grandma? And she said, no, I'm fine. So on her 90th birthday, which was a couple of summers ago, we were sitting in the backyard and someone gave her a package of candy. And one of the things in the package was candy cigarettes. So she put one of the candy cigarettes and just like let it droop out of the corner of her mouth and then opened all the rest of the presents and read all of the cards out loud with this candy cigarette hanging out of her mouth. And I'm going to share a picture of it. It's hilarious. I love it. And whenever I look at that picture, I'm like, that's who I want to be when I'm 90 years old. Yeah. She's a badass. Like, <laughs> right. She doesn't care. She's funny. She knows it. And 
there's just so much personality there. She's not a forgettable person. There's there's no way you could forget my grandma. Um, and I kind of love that because I think one of the things that maybe people are afraid about getting older is that we become irrelevant or kind of shrink. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And that's not happening with my grandma. So I love that story. No, they're good role models. Yeah. And I think, uh, it'd be lovely to be regarded, you know, by our kids and grandkids as, you know, the kind of great ladies that we remember. I mean, not lady in the sense of lady like, but in the sense of capital G capital L, you know, just, yeah. Absolutely. Good legacy. Great topic. I feel like there was like little snippets in this topic that we could develop into like other oh topics because there's so yeah. much to talk about. I mean, Loads. oh goodness. Family. So, my God, this is a good yeah. way. To, yeah. Family and grandparents and getting older and, and craftiness, like craftiness. generation. So like a lot of the stuff that my grand, you know, those kind of crafty skills and stuff that my grandmothers did, I do, but my grandma, my mom totally doesn't. So, yeah. Well, and I don't remember if we mentioned this during a previous episode or not, but um, maybe the first time we did a show together, we talked about your um, Stenopad recipes. Right. I would love to do a whole episode just about the recipes that get passed, oh, get passed yeah. down. There's, there's, that's such a telling thing about, you know, the ages of our grandparents. Like what uh-huh. kinds of recipes were big for them, right. and what was considered a delicacy, what was special. Yeah. yeah. My sister and I were just talking about how so many of the recipes my mom passed down that she has now were sort of these. Um, oh, in a different episode of the Home Hour, we just did one last week. We talked about children's literature and food, uh-huh. and okay. we talked a little bit about how my mom, you know, kind of came of age in the uh, the '60s and became a parent in like the '70s, and so she made all that really gross food, <laughs> cream of mushroom <laughs> that, soup, yeah, that we yeah. like to make fun of now. But she put a lot of effort into it, I and mean, that was yeah. a thing. That was a seen as real, you know, cuisine. And it's just funny now to look back through the, (laughs) through the recipes that she passed down to me that have, you know, like cornflakes on the chicken and yes, many cream of soups and things like that. And, and we kind of see it as kind of gross and silly, but you know, that was, yeah, we've got that coming to us. Right. So exactly. You know, they're going to be making fun of our foodie ways. Exactly. But, uh, I gotta leave, I gotta leave you with one lovely little thing. Sure. Tribute to my, uh, late mother-in-law who so, so sadly she died when uh, I was pregnant with my firstborn. So mm-hmm. my kids, you know, no experience of her whatsoever, but I did get to see her being a grandmother, um, to my nephew and her name, his name for her was honey. Oh, and on her gravestone, it says honey. That's beautiful. And she that. was very much a sweet woman. So I love that. Yeah. Well, so I think someday, have you thought about what you're going to be called? No, I don't want to think about it yet. <laughs> I sort of think that maybe I'll take on honey. We'll see. I love that. Yes, you should go. You should be that. Maybe I'll be nanny. I'll, I'll borrow that from you. And we'll be in Florida. Exactly. We'll be having the time of our lives. And going to bed at eight. It'll be awesome. Exactly. <laughs> with no plan. Exactly. Old well, home here. for bloggers, right? <laughs> yeah, with all the other bloggers and podcasters and all of our kids will be like, hey, what, why they're having so much fun? Uh, well this has been great thanks so much for coming on the show again we will have Kieran back on in I don't know a few weeks months something like that soon enough wait with bated breath and you'll hear us blabbering again together (laughs) have a great Memorial Day weekend Kieran you too have a good one Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Home Hour on the Life Listened Network. If you want to hear more episodes of The Home Hour, go ahead and go to thehomehour.com and you'll find all the episodes there. You can also visit our Lifestyle Podcast Network to find more shows about motherhood, style, work, 
and more. That's at lifelistened.com. Thanks a lot.